Uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, this morning as we go to God's Word, uh, another great passage, one that hopefully will be an encouragement to your soul wherever you're at. Um, I think that most of the time, uh, it, it's sobering to me as a pastor that I, I don't know um, how people come to church. Like, I, I know how you get here, kind of, most of you take cars. Might even be someone who walks, but not too many. Uh, you come in cars, but there's things going on in your life and in your house and the lives of your family. Um, and I know some of them, and I trust that that's probably different things that you're struggling with in different households at different times. And yet we all come to church uh, at the same time in the same place, and we hear the same message from the same book. And it's a message from our loving God uh, shared to us. And it's always interesting to me as uh, I, I speak with people who are here and, uh, and how God is working in your life and encouraging your heart uh, where you're at right now from His Word. And uh, this morning we're going to uh, dive into a passage that hopefully will be an encouragement to you today, uh, whatever is going on in your heart and life. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you, <clears throat> starting at verse 13. And God's word says this, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Uh, for you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. <coughs> Excuse me. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and, and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So it's always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would help us to hear it clearly and as it truly is, your words to us. God, thank you for this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we've looked at uh, 1 Thessalonians, if you've been with us uh, the last month or so as we've looked at uh, this particular book, Paul's been communicating on behalf of uh, Silvanus and Timothy, the three of them together, they've been communicating their uh, love and affection for uh, this church at Thessalonica, uh, how much their heart is thrilled by them, that they love them in a uh, amazing sort of way and feel this partnership and not just a partnership but a love partnership with them in the gospel and he's also been talking about their proper response to the gospel itself and how uh, as he reflected on their sharing that we'll go back to Acts chapter 17 that when they came and shared to them that they responded properly and he's going to talk a little bit more about that with us here today as we look at this passage, <clears throat> as we in verse 13, 
Uh, he talks about constant thanks that he has for them. Um, and I, I want you to think about this as a parent, as a parent. Um, what do you want to see in your children? What, um, what are those things that when you think of your children would stir up in you a heart of gratitude? And Paul, as he looks upon this church, there's that older, there's that one who's seeking to guide them, and the, that one who's further along the road in faith, uh, looking upon them. And, and as he thinks of them, he has this constant gratitude. Uh, we've talked about this, the word brother, he uses over and over again. And the word thanks or prayers that he, he, he keeps on going back. And, and what it is, it's this. When Paul thinks of this church, he smiles. He smiles. When somebody brings up Thessalonica, he doesn't think of the beaches. You know, I, I, I know um, you've traveled, many of you have traveled various places and uh, various places bring up great memories of different things you've done. Uh, I can think of places we've gone as a family or times that I've traveled in different places and uh, sometimes a meal that I've shared with people and people that I've met. And depending on how that went, it brings up a good memory or bad memory. But as Paul thought of Thessalonica, he didn't think about the restaurants he didn't think about the beaches. He thought about the people. And what that brought up in him was thanksgiving. That he smiled and he was grateful for what God had done. And, and really he gives us two things this morning that are, are these things that the reason he's smiling, the reason he's grateful to God, the reason he is filled with this idea that of gratitude that he was glad he went to Thessalonica because he met these people and because this was evident in their lives. And so we're going to look at these, <clears throat> really these two things. And they're very simple. They're very simple. And they, they, uh, there's always a danger in going over something simple in the Scripture that sometimes you'll miss the magnificence of it. Um, and so this morning, that's my challenge as we, uh, as I seek to communicate this to you, that the importance of this morning is that we would see these two great things, these two great things that um, for us, <coughs> to, you could take this message uh, a couple of different ways. The first way is this, if you're not a believer, if you're standing on the outside of the gospel, obviously, if you're here this morning, you're on the line, right? You're on the line. You're, you're, you're not someone who's far off. You're at least listening, right? Or present, okay? You may not be listening. You may be present, though, okay? So you, you, you're there. You're there right there. And, and what will push you over the line? It's, it's interesting if, uh, if you hear a sales pitch from somebody or uh, maybe you're going into surgery or you're at the edge of some kind of treatment. Most of us want to know what happens next. What's going to happen to me after I do this? Uh, wh what are the side effects? What am I going to feel like? Where am I going to have to go? How long will it take? 
you'll have all these questions. Some of you uh, have a couple of questions. Others of you have thousands of questions, thousands of questions. You want to know every little detail. I want to give you two things, two things that will happen to you if you trust in Jesus. Two things. Uh, For those of you who have trusted in Jesus, I want to give you two markers that you can find in your life, that you can find in your life that will comfort you to say that I'm, I'm his. I am his. Sometimes we struggle with that. I am his. And so if you're on the edge, there's two things. These are going to happen to you. If you have crossed the line, if you're his, uh, you'll find these two things uh, that are in you. As we looked at God's word, um, that's the issue this morning, God's word. The first thing that uh, thrilled Paul's heart as he uh, remembered them, his constant thanksgiving, uh, when, when he thought of them, he thought about their embracing of God's message, their embracing of God's message. It, it says in, in God's word, I read it to you in verse 13, uh, he says, and we always thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Hard for us to know exactly what Paul said to them when he went into Thessalonica. We don't know. Uh, he, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, and I'm being... Uh, I'm making a joke. He didn't preach from 1 Thessalonians. I, it's super hard for us to get our head around sometimes that, uh, that Paul didn't carry a book like this. At times he carried ones like this. Uh, but he didn't have a Bible like this. Why? Because it wasn't written yet. Why? Because God hadn't inspired him to write it yet. And so... Uh, the Word of God, as he refers to it, was message, was a message. Uh, as you could turn back there, if you, if you want to, maybe it would be helpful, uh, Acts chapter 17. You could turn, turn back to Acts chapter 17. It tells us a little bit about Paul's message uh, to the church at Thessalonica. And it wasn't the church yet, Right? <laughs> Even us saying the church at Thessalonica, there wasn't a church there. There weren't believers there. There might have been one or two. But the idea was that when he rolled into town, the reason he went there is because they didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't know the message of the gospel. They didn't have the word of God. It says in uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 2, it speaks of, Uh, It says this, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that uh, it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ, is the Christ. So uh, one of the things he did as he went there, uh, part of his message, and maybe this is the general thing that the heart of his message was, the Old Testament scriptures that you know, uh, you Jews know, and he, he was 
piecing those together and pointing to Christ and preaching to the end of that verdict was this. This Jesus that was crucified, that rose again, He is the one, the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. And Paul now in 1 Thessalonians is terming that the Word of God. Uh, I want to tell you that that's the, the heart of the message of this book is that you need a Savior. That that Savior is Jesus. That that was part of the plan of the Father in the Son. It was the plan from the very beginning that the Savior would come. And when He came, He's identified by who He is, by the, the prophecy that was spoken of Him. He was the one. As He went and died, He was the one rose again, that he would be our Lord, that he would be the one. So they heard that message. They heard that message. And, and you get this, um, you get some pieces here that seem um, obvious. And why did Paul even write them? But I, I want you to get this. That, so this word of God that he speaks of was an oral message shared by the apostle, the apostle Paul and Silas and uh, Timothy, uh, as he shared that, they, they went. And this was God's plan, that people would go and they would share a message with other people. <laughs> that they spoke these words. Uh, some, sometimes in our, and it's not to have, let me, let me be clear. Let me say, uh, say something, uh, a pre-saying something, and then I'll say something. Um, uh, Christian movies and movies with a message are fine. They're great. They're helpful, okay? But not to replace the proclaiming of God's Word, the saying it. And when I say proclaiming, uh, you know how Paul did that? He did it like this, but he also did it like this, one-on-one. Uh, there's a way to preach one-on-one. Some of you are going, I know, I'm a mom. I preach all the time. Uh, a lot of times with the finger of faith, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, we, we, we know about proclaiming, but that's not a bad thing. Sometimes the word preach has uh, taken on bad connotations, right? Oh, they're just preachy. I want to tell you, the idea of sharing the gospel message, the word of God, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, it's helpful. It's helpful. It's God's method. God's method. It's, it's what he wants us to be doing. And so Paul, guess what he did? He went into a town and he shared uh, in a town that didn't know. Didn't know. Sometimes we like to uh, uh, get in environments where everybody knows. Everybody knows. And then we'll share the message just so they can amen. Right? And the two of us already agree, but I'm telling you. And we're like, yeah, we're, we're right. And everybody else is wrong. I want to tell you, Paul went into an environment where people weren't on board. There, there wasn't sense. Even in that passage in Acts chapter 17, there's this distinct, some responded and some did not. Uh, most of the time, we, we like to hear the story. Paul went into a city and everybody responded and everyone said, woohoo. And then they had this big love fest 
because everyone liked the message. That's not what happened. And so I, I, I want to just first, Paul was a man. Paul was a man. He had a message from God. He took it to a city, a place where they didn't know. And as he shared it, uh, their response was what gave him thanksgiving. That, that's, their response was what caused him to smile, caused him to fill his heart with gratitude towards the Lord. And why? Because they received the message. They received the message. There's this, there's this process that we hear um, in this passage. These words jump out to us, I hope. Uh, they received the word of God. They heard the word of God. They accepted the word of God. Uh, the, this idea and, and what, how, how this goes, um, it, it's real simple. It's that Paul went, he spoke, they listened, they listened, but not just listened, they heard. They heard the message. And not just heard the message, not just listened to the message, but they received, they accepted the message. And it became their very own. Became their very own. It's not something that they uh, went to a place, heard a bunch of information, understood it, and then did nothing with it. It's that they heard a message. They were willing to listen. And in that listening, they embraced it in their heart. It was something that they, they grabbed onto and they received it, accepted it, and it became their very own. Became their very own. Do, do you get that? This is what the gospel is. It's not that we would get some tips for living, but it would be this message that as we hear it, we grab it and embrace it for what it is and say, this is now my life. This is everything to me. It says uh, the word of God. This is, this is how they received it. They heard, accepted it, embraced it. You can look back in chapter 1 of verse Thessalonians. He, he terms it like this. He says, they turned to God from idols, right? That because they heard the message, it changed who they were. It, it was something that because of hearing it, it caused them to go back home and get rid of their idols. It caused them to look at their schedule and say, we no longer do the things that we once did. We've we got another schedule now. We've got, a, we got a, uh, a different way of spending money. We have a different way of raising kids. We have a different way of considering marriage. We have a different way of living because, why? Because we heard this different message. And it was such that it changed everything. Um, so as he thought of them, he thought of them embracing God's message to them. It, he, he terms it like this. He, he says it like this, and I think it's important for us to really stop and think about this. He says, uh, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men. Not as the word of men. Um, it's interesting to me 
uh, one of the things that you will hear, and maybe some of you said and still say about the Bible, is this. That's a book written by men. That's a book written by men. If you're just saying in that that they had a pen and they had a pad of paper, papyrus, various other wood products and reeds and very that that they took something that would mark and write on something that would hold ink. Um, if you're just saying that a man did that, we're fine, we're fine. But if you're saying that those thoughts and the accuracy of that is from men, that's where you're in, a, you're in a difficult spot right now. Because you're saying the words that even I share with you this morning are man's words. They're man's words. They're, they come from the head and heart of a man. That the, uh, the truth of them is dependent on a man. And I want to tell you, as you read this book, that's not what it teaches if you look at this book and you say, well, that's just a bunch of man's thoughts, I want to tell you, you have a different perspective than the book you talk about. And I want to tell you, uh, as God has given us this book, He has not said, this is a book of man's thoughts, but this is myself. This is my son. This is who I am. And so, as Paul was communicating, he said, you accepted. I remember when I went into your town, and I remember when I shared the message of God, the word of God with you. You accepted it, not as man's words. And in so saying that, he's saying, not my words. You didn't listen to me because you'd heard of my fame. You didn't listen to me because you liked Silas and Timothy. You didn't listen to us because you thought we were neat guys. You listened. You heard. You accepted this. Not as man's thoughts. When something is man's thoughts, um, it's left open for disagreement. Especially by good Americans, right? Uh, Do you trust history books? Some of you don't, right? Oh, some of you say, I was there, I know, right? I know that was different. We realize the fallibility of man. We realize that they, you read something in the paper or even more so online. You say, I don't know if this is true or not. I, I, I'm not going to believe this. I won't get suckered in. If it's man's thoughts, uh, it's open for disagreement. It's also open uh, for changing your mind, changing your mind, uh, especially, you know, medical studies and this and that. Uh, you say, well, I, I read this medical study 20 years ago, but there's been a new finding since then where I used to believe this. I trade it in now for the new and improved idea. If it's man's thoughts, there can always be a better one, right? There can always be a smarter person. There can always be something to trump that which you've already heard. And I want to tell you, uh, that's what man's thoughts are, right? 
You can be the smartest person in the room and then somebody else shows up, right? And, and there's this idea that you can trade and uh, you can disagree, but also uh, cling to something and then when you find something better, trade it in. And you know what Paul says? When you heard the word of God from me, you didn't do it. You didn't treat it like it was just another opinion of life. You didn't treat it like it was something that would be a, a temporary placeholder for you to run your life by till you found something better. You didn't think it was man's thoughts, man's opinions. But you treated it as it really is. What? The Word of God. The Word of God. How does someone treat the Word of God? Well, they, it's what they think about it, right? It's what their heart says about it. They see it as purely good, purely good. They, they look at it and they're, they're searching because they know of its goodness. They see it to be true, to be true. Not because they want it to be true, but because they know it's true and they, they seek it. Because they know that to have something true is to have something to build your life upon. They see it as uh, faith, right? A place to put your trust. You, you know, that, that's the, the difficulty of man's thoughts, right? As we place our trust in a man, it's only as good as the man, right? It's only as able and capable as the one who wrote it. Or who said it? But as we see God's word, we know it to be purely good. We know it to be the truth. We know it's something that we can place our faith in. And when you say, I say place your faith, I'm saying that you can't see the outcomes, right? You have to take steps in faith. And you're going to take a step in a direction. And who's going to guide you? What's going to guide you? The word of God. And so it's a place to place our faith in. A message for me. You know, it was that beautiful thing that I spoke of even at the beginning of the service where as they heard from Paul, you know what they, they were saying afterwards? It's not recorded in Scripture. I'm speculating. Maybe it didn't happen. But I want to tell you what was going on in their heart. He's talking to me. Who is this guy and how did he get here? And, and he's speaking to me. It, it, he, they saw it as a message for them. A message for them. A, a, a message from God to a man, through, through a man to them. And as they saw it, they saw it as authority too, right? I, I don't want to use that word in a bad sense, but... Uh, it was the idea that this is a message to be listened to because it comes from God. He's my authority. They saw it as a message for light to them in their darkness. They saw a, a, a new way of living that was light to them in the midst of their darkness. If I could say it this way, in the pile of Books and opinions, God's word, that message is elevated above all because of who it's from. They, they heard that message and, and in their heart, they'd heard 
uh, from their friends, their neighbors, their, their countrymen, the, the popular culture of the day, their upbringing. They'd heard all that. And in the midst of that, they heard God speak through the Apostle Paul. And as they heard God speak through the Apostle Paul, that message was elevated in their mind above all, above all. It was lifted up. It was separated from the pile of opinions and thoughts of the day. And so uh, this was their response to the word of God. We hear in here uh, Paul instructing them as well and, and training them. Because the, the next little thing he adds in there, this word of God, how they received it. He says, which is at work in you? Which is at work in you? And I want to tell you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, this is the spot, this is the need for God's word to work in you. Guess what? Uh, when uh, those Thessalonian believers, when they came to an understanding of the message of Jesus, the word of God, guess what? They still had to live after that, right? All their problems didn't go away. All their bad thoughts didn't turn to the right thoughts and everything was perfect. They, they still was work to be done, sanctification to happen, right? And how was that to be done? Through the Word of God, through the Word of God. It, it's, it's the food for spiritual growth. It's this idea of this constant training and shaping of the mind of the believer, really the mind of Christ in the believer, the Word of God. And so uh, I want to encourage you, maybe we don't talk about this enough. The Word of God is critical for us. The preaching of it, the reading of it, the cherishing of it, the, the finding specific scriptures to meet the specific needs and desires of, and troubles of our life, right? The Word of God, and He says, which is at work in you? It's this idea that He changed you, but he's also changing you through the same word of God you accepted. He continues to bring you back to it uh, to bring about the change that needs to happen. So uh, he was encouraged by their embracing of God's message for them. Secondly, uh, and it flows all together uh, for not quitting under fire. This is what encouraged Paul about them. This is what granted them gratitude in his heart. First, that they embraced the Word of God. And second, that they didn't quit. They didn't quit under fire. Paul uh, recounts, and, and it's this idea, most likely, that it's recorded in Acts chapter 17 what happened after they accepted that initial, there was immediate persecution. But there was probably continuing persecution. There was probably this continuing more of the same happened to them. Paul writes it like this. He says um, in verse 14, he says, For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered uh, in the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased. I'm going to stop right there and we'll get back to this. But, but get this idea. First of all, 
he gives us another spiritual growth tip. He just said the Word of God, which is at work in you. The second thing he says, you became imitators. You became imitators of the believers in Judea. It's the, the idea that there were other churches and believers that they knew of. And I, I want to tell you, uh, when you're a novice, when you don't know what you're doing, you know what you should do? Imitate those who do. It's pretty simple. And you say, well, we hate that word imitation, right? Imitation. I want to tell you, um, the, the smart ones always do it. That if you don't know what you're doing, you, you, you look at someone who does and you study them. And when it comes to believing in Jesus Christ, it, it's simple. If you're young and you don't know what you're doing, guess what? Find someone who's old and successful in it. This idea that you see faith in their life. You, you watch people, for you, you parents, right? If you don't know what you're doing, guess what? Ask someone who's already been through it, who's a couple of steps ahead of you. Why? Because maybe in faith they will be able to share with you the way to go. And you can look at their life and say, oh, they do it this way. Why do you do it that You can have that conversation. And, and that's the way to figure this out. It's too hard to start with that blank sheet of paper and say, I'm just going to figure out everything on my own. Good luck with you on that. Right? Paul says their method was this, that they imitated those other believers. They followed in their footsteps. They imitated them. Um, I, I want to tell you that th this is part of that um, that I talked to you earlier about that whole idea of what comes next. Um, if they were to talk to believers in other cities that had already heard the gospel, they say, hey, so, so you accepted the word of God too? They're, yeah, it was great. It was amazing. Paul came in. He was speaking right to me. I responded to the message. I knew it was for me. I was changed. And they're like, yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. So what happened next? Uh, yeah, our family disowned you. I lost my job. We got beaten. We got money taken away. And they're going, whoa, 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 whoa. Imitation, they could have seen that as well, right? They could have seen that accepting the word of God brought about persecution. And, and, and this is why I think Paul was so encouraged by this, right? Is that they, they didn't quit under fire that they imitated those other believers and they followed in that same path. And what was that same path? That same path was suffering. In Acts chapter 17, it says this, verse 5, uh, but the Jews were jealous. This is, this is in Thessalonica. The Jews were jealous, taking some wicked men of the rabble, uh, and they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the houses of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. So you get this particular man's house. They barge in, uh, physically drag them out uh, and hand them over to the mob. Uh, they, they attacked the house of Jason. Uh, at verse 6, they were looking for Paul. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men have turned the world upside down and have come here also and Jason received them uh, and they were acting out against the decree of Caesar saying uh, that there is another king Jesus 
When the people of the city authorities were disturbed, when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security for J- uh, from Jason and the rest, they let them go. What happened? What happened there? Well, this is what happened. Uh, probably beatings. Probably beatings. Being dragged out of their house. Dragged out of their house. Turned over to a mob. Their reputation was probably ruined. They were embarrassed. They were brought before the authorities. And then they lost money because of following Jesus. As I look at that, I go, um, hey, trust in Jesus. You'll probably lose money. Trust in, trust in Jesus. You might get beaten up. You'll probably get beaten up. You'll probably, your reputation will probably go down in the community. You might lose your occupation. You might, people might barge into your home. And, and, and I, I get this picture of what Paul is sharing here. And he, it's this amazing thing. He says, he says, this is what encouraged me about you. This is what brings gratitude. That you, were not, you didn't quit under fire. I want to keep moving here so we don't go on too long. And I, I just want to uh, just tie up these two sections and then we'll get our uh, three marks of our heart. But um, do you know what pumps up a missionary or pastor? Do you know what pumps up? And you, some of you are thinking of some funny things to say right now. Don't say them, okay? Um, wh- what pumps up a missionary or pastor is that after they leave, after they leave, long after the initial time that they can reflect and see the fruit of what went on. And as Paul looked back on his time, he saw two things. They accepted the word of God. They accepted and they didn't quit. They didn't quit. I want to tell you, as I look out at Bear Valley Church this morning, uh, there's many, many of you here. You didn't quit. You didn't quit. It, it, most of the time we look at the gospel as this. The gospel will fix the problems of your life. It'll be better for you. And then life will be good. I want to tell you that most of you know, accepting the gospel, there's still problems after that. And I want to tell you, it thrills this pastor's heart when you didn't quit. You didn't quit. You didn't quit on your marriage. You didn't quit on your kids. You, you, you didn't quit on the Lord. You didn't, you, you didn't leave him. You, you might have stumbled and fallen. You might have uh, looked like you were going down. But uh, this idea that you didn't quit. And, and there's this beautiful thing in the gospel that says this, that it will be difficult as we follow the Lord. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And so for Paul, it thrilled his heart. It, it knit his heart together with them. That they accepted the word of God. It was evident that they, they embraced the word of God. And secondly, that they didn't quit when the pressure came. Three marks for us this morning. As uh, we, um, and for us, I, I just asked that God would carve them on our hearts or Tattoo them. I don't, I don't know, that's probably not a good way to say it, but I wrote that in my notes with a question mark right there. Carve them into our heart. Mark us. I, I think of that tree, that, that young tree that puts a mark in it. And 
this person loves this person, right? Um, but it's this idea that marks in a time that years go on that this will still remain as a marker for us. The, the three marks uh, in our heart that would... Uh, the first one is this. Change comes from identification, separation, and elevation of God from everybody else. Everybody else. What happened in them is that they identified that this was a message from God. And that as they identify it, they say, oh, this message is over here, is over here. It's not like all the other messages. All the other messages are right here. I hear this one. I identify it as different and I separate it. And lastly, there's an elevation above all. Above all. It's this idea that this message will never become common in my life again. The, the words that come from God will never be a part of this pile anymore because uh, I have been changed. Change comes from that, that identification, that separation, that elevation of every other message. Secondly, God's word and imitation are the path of growth for you and for me. God's word and imitation. This idea that we're in this, we're hearing from this, we're listening to God, we're reflecting on what we've heard and are hearing again. This is growth for us as well as imitating or following others who are walking in faith. This is how we grow. We don't grow. We do not grow from sitting at home. We, we don't grow from just sitting there. We grow from hearing from God's word, knowing it, understanding it, and imitating those who walk before us. Okay? That's a path of growth. Two great helpful things in this passage of spiritual growth. And then uh, lastly, I would say this, the infinite worth of God in my life. The infinite worth of God. And you say, where'd you get that? I want to say it's real simple. Why would anyone be persecuted why, why would anyone uh, go through difficult things why, why would anyone do that because they think it's worth it right i want to say that none of the pains of this life none of them none of the persecutions or sufferings that could happen none of them uh, are worth what it is for you to have a relationship with god through his son jesus none of them and you say, what does that include? Everything. Everything. Any sickness you'd go through, any ostracization of family members, of beloved friends, of uh, you know, poverty, of, of anything. Why? Because God is worth more. God is worth more. I want to tell you that this is a message for us to remember that the Word of God, the message of the Gospel, and it's worth it no matter what. Uh, as a message for us today, I hope it's encouraging to you. Please join with me in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of your word. Um, God, I thank you for the access to it. I thank you for those who have gone before us, who have shared with us that we might know. God, may we be motivated and um, heightened awareness of our own need for your word as well as uh, a willingness to share it with the next generation and for those who don't know it. 
And God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.